Hey, I'm Pauline, and this is a Journey to Fulfillment podcast. Learn from awesome people who have gone through personal transformations so you can be inspired to grow, create, and live a truly fulfilling life. Welcome to the Journey to Fulfillment podcast. And today we have a special guest. His name is Peter Dong. Welcome. Hey, Pauline. How's it going? See, Peter Dong is actually um, an old friend of mine. We've known each other for what feels like two decades. I actually can't remember how long now. <laughs> yeah, um, I do remember the first time meeting you, though. I, I remember the first time I saw you, though. Like, I'm not sure if I told you that. Like, you're sitting in the bloody reception area looking like a statue. <laughs> We'll, we'll keep those stories on you today. But um, here's, a statue. The, the, here's, here's a fun fact before we get into this, a little bit about Peter. But today is the 19th of August, 2021. And the 19th of August was the first day that I actually started working with Peter. Oh, um, wow. My first job in accounting. Wow, that is, uh, that's brilliant. So 19th of August. That's and how long ago was that, by the way? I was like eleven years or something. Eleven years, I think. Yeah, eleven years. Well, happy anniversary to you for uh, the job that you don't have anymore that you left <laughs> a long time ago, like seven years ago. <laughs> yes, and happy anniversary for the first Good time point. that we officially became colleagues. Wow, what a journey we've had, eh? Yeah, like a lot of travels, a lot of different things, a lot of learnings together as well. So, no, nah, yes. it's, it's been brilliant. So yeah, Peter's not only a good friend, but he's someone that I really admire and he's been through a journey himself, lots of transformation. Um, so I'd really like to, to get into um, a bit of Peter's story and um, start with Peter, introduce yourself to everyone and, and what do you do? Yeah, so uh, yeah, thanks, Pauline. So essentially, yeah, my name is Peter Dung, as you already mentioned. Um, I think the, the, the short of it is basically what I do now is I run a business. We started this business about three years ago now, actually almost three years ago. Um, and what we do is specialize in recruitment and headhunting specifically to help tech startups and tech scale-ups in Australia grow and scale and get funded by venture capitalists, basically. And the way we do that is through taking care of the human capital side of them, like the recruitment side of it. Uh, so what we do is go and find people who make a direct impact on the growth of those startups. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in specific detail, we look at growth specialists, like you're looking at growth marketers or product growth people and those kind of people. If you think about, you know, the Facebooks of the world, Instagrams and whatnot in Silicon Valley, the people who help grow those businesses and get, you know, users like you and I on board onto the platforms, those are the type of people that we look for every day, basically, to help those startups over here in Australia grow, mm-hmm. essentially. So, yeah, we, we find talent from different places of the world. So we've got, you know, talent in... Silicon Valley in the US, UK, Europe, Singapore, India, Australia, obviously, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been a very, very sort of interesting um, network building sort of game, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've helped, yeah, we've helped startups across the world as well so far and looking to continue that as well. So doing a lot of good things, basically. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and that's a very interesting, um, I mean, it's the first time that I've heard of it um, for anyone in Australia, that's where we're from, but um, that someone is doing this kind of thing. So yeah, um, tell us a bit more about sort of how you got started or or finding this particular niche for yourself. Yeah, so it's, I mean, how far back do you want me to go? (laughs) As far back as you'd like to share. Well, I think, uh, I think it's actually quite fitting that, you know, you're, you're all about journey to fulfillment, right? Because like, you know, when we first started together, I mean, I, I'm going to go even before that, right? So mm. basically, you know, you know, I did a medical science degree uh, with the, I think, I think initially with the aim of becoming a pharmacist or, or something like that, because I missed out by what, two marks in the HSC. Wow. And then did medical science, um, didn't find that really fulfilling at all, because I didn't want to do the job, you know, after medical science, like, you know, in terms of you know, working there and testing my, my what, what, I don't know what the word is called, microbials, mm. bacteria, that kind of stuff. I didn't want to do that anymore. And I didn't want to do pharmacy either because I did a few pharmacy subjects, didn't like, did not find myself, see myself doing that. So then I moved into um, accounting, right, which is where we met, mm. essentially. I mean, 
did accounting, really liked that as well. Really liked the job there as well. But it kind of became a point where I wanted to move to something that would allow me to learn more about different businesses in a variety of businesses as well, but also talk to more stakeholders essentially because I think that was a key area of development of mine. And that's actually something that's obviously always played on my mind, which is how do I improve myself? How do I get you know 1% better each day basically? And that was what it was like back then too. Um, mm-hmm. So when I told my manager and said, hey, look, I want to go talk to more people. I want to you know, learn more about businesses. I want to partner with more people commercially. And I just said, look, you've got another three years ahead of you before you do that. And I thought, ah, stuff that. So then stepped into recruitment because in the, I thought in recruitment world, you get exposure to so many different types of businesses. You, have, you get to understand the core of what builds a business, which is the human capital side of it, right? The people. So um, stepped into recruitment, very luckily enough to have stepped into, you know, what was a really good organization, um, had some people who really believed in me and helped train me up to become a great recruiter, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was, you know, I did that for about four years as a finance and accounting recruiter, then moved over to tech because I realized that tech industry is where the world is headed, essentially, and the world will become more digitized. And as you can already tell, you, know, you can talk to Len about that, you know, with you know, cryptocurrency and digital assets mm-hmm. and digital currencies and all. So everything's headed towards that way. So I just thought it was a no-brainer to step into the tech world. Stepped into that world, did a bit of data science recruitment as well. Um, also did not find that fulfilling enough for me because there was always something that was in me about starting my own business and doing my own venture, right? Um, I think it was kind of ingrained growing up in the sense that not so much from my dad. My dad was more a lot about, you know, stable income, get work done, this and that. My mom was also kind of stable income, but she was more of the mind of, hey, look, Pete, when you grow up, do your own business, do your own business, do your own business. That was for her, it was either become a doctor or do your own business, right? Mm. Um, so that obviously didn't become a doctor. I missed up by one mark on that one, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> look closer. That's easy. That's I'm so grateful though. Every time. I know, but I'm grateful though um, that probably didn't pan out that way. Uh, mm. So, anyway. So decide, you know what, it's time to look at starting my own thing. And I think back then, fortunate enough, I had a, you know, have a good, yeah, still do have a good friend who was obviously open to doing the same situation, right? You know, Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to, you know what, let's just plan all this together and get all this stuff done. And as for everything in life, the way I like to see life is like a chess game, essentially. So every move that I make through my recruitment career was headed towards this way, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. whether it be stepping into the tech world, whether it be stepping into the recruitment world, wherever it is, it's basically to train myself and get myself into a position to start my own business and, you know, build rapport, build customer service, communicate better, you know. So stepped into, yeah, starting our own thing. Um, when we started at the business at Data C, that's what the business is called. It was actually initially data science recruitment mm-hmm. for tech companies. Realized, you know what? I don't want to be able. I don't want to be in a situation where we're just basically filling roles and filling seats, right? There's mm. probably no satisfaction from that. A million and one. I think there's like sixty thousand recruiters in Australia alone, right? And I think anyone can do that. So I think from my perspective, it's looking at a different angle and saying, "Hey, look, yes, recruitment is what I'm strong at, but what else can I do to add value to people and make their lives easier?" Mm. And you know, talking to a lot of clients from the tech startup world back then, it's about tech startup clients tell me three things. Um, the, one of the biggest challenges is basically they want to grow the business. Therefore, what that means is getting more users on board, generating more revenue, and therefore being in a really good position to get more funding from the venture capital investors. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is they don't know how to attract that talent and they don't know what sort of talent to attract as well. And the mm-hmm. third part is they don't know where to go to find them and they don't have the time in, uh, to do it or to have the time or the effort. Right. You know? To put into this so basically i thought you know what why don't i go and look for growth people then mm. because number one growth people these guys and girls have a direct impact on the bottom line of these organizations you know oh yeah they've grown you know facebook from you know twenty thousand users to 50, 50 million users in the space of two years for example mm-hmm. that's a direct impact that you can see and imagine having that as a value proposition to your clients right yeah um yeah so and these people are just very interesting to talk to. 
You know, you're talking business with them, talking commercialities with them. You're talking about, you know, the behind the scenes stuff with them about, you know, what actually goes on behind marketing and that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's essentially how we ended up in the growth space for tech yeah. startups. About, it, was, it just came down with the mindset of how do I add value and what's the easiest way to add value and what's the direct route of adding value, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, that's essentially how we ended up here. Yeah. That's an incredible journey that you've been on through so much change and I'm sure lots of ups and downs and learnings. Out of that, is there anything that you would say is like the biggest learning that you've learned so far or the top three? Good question. Hey, the biggest, the three biggest learnings I reckon, um, keep an open mind. I know it sounds generic, very cliche, but I actually mean that in every sense of the word because actually we spoke about this last week, by the way. Um, mm. Yeah, keep an open mind in the sense that, you know what, like everyone, everyone achieves their goals and success or whatever it is in different ways. And I think you just got to find your own, but you can't be closed off to different ideas about that as well. You know, if someone tells me, hey, Pete, go try meditation, I've got to try that to make sure if it works for me or Pete, go try, uh, what is it? breathing exercises I can't close it off I've got to try that out and see if it works for me as well so it's about finding what resonates with you by being open to it in the first place right I'm not just going to shut stuff off mm. uh shut stuff out right if you look mm. at different guys like different entrepreneurs around the world the most successful ones all do their own things you know mm. so if those guys and girls can do that and become successful then I've got to be open to all those ideas as well yeah um, okay. so open mind Great. keep it over mind and I think Another one is structure creates freedom as well. Um, and what I mean by that is basically, I think as human beings, our minds are basically trained to love certainty. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, know, you know, yeah, we all love certainty. And I think what that does is by creating certainty, you therefore you, create, you allow your mind to basically work better without having to worry about an extra factor basically. So what I mean by structure is basically during the day, you know, you, sh- you set your timetable, you set your, you know, your calendar, for example, you follow that as well. And just to make sure that, yeah, that part of the day is done. Now you can basically utilize your creativity in your mind and just keep those juices flowing essentially as the day goes. Um, mm-hmm. So instead of saying, oh shit, what am I doing now? What do I need to do next? This and that. It's about cool. Nine to 10 is this, 10 to 11 is this. So between nine and 10, I'm just going to solely let my mind just run uh, creativity, talk to clients, connect with people in a present, in a present way, as opposed, to, as opposed to talk to a client and thinking, what do I have next again? Or what do I need to do next again? Like, you know, it is about mm-hmm. that. So yeah. having that anchor there in terms of structure will allow you to do a lot of other things, uh, especially being present to the situation, essentially. Yes, um, okay. I get that. That's like... Um having the structure or framework for the way that you operate or your day or certain habits. But then also once you have that framework, you can then be flexible in what you do in the structure that you've built. Exactly. Um, And exactly because, so I think for me, obviously I've got a long way to go when it comes down to following structure. Like obviously I can talk about it all I want, but there is still a lot of tweaks I need to make as well. But, you know, a lot of my day is structured and I do have structures on different parts of the day in terms of what I do as well. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I think I told you about this before, right? Like every morning I do mindfulness or headspace meditation. Every morning I practice my value proposition. Every morning I do cold showers as well. Um, so those are the structures for me. Those are the, my anchors as well. And in order, to, in order for me to do that, it will allow me to basically free up the, the brain to just do and worry about other things because those things have already been ticked off for me. Mm-hmm. And it helps, you know, keep you mindful about things as well. Um, so I think structure is very, very important, mm. um, cool. as well. So, and I guess, freedom. Yep. yeah, structure creates freedom. The third one is I think doing the most, I think it's, it's, it's doing the most mundane things in consistent ways, basically, um, so what I mean by that is everyone thinks, you know, to build a successful business or to do, you know, success in, in your work or your employment, you've got to do extraordinary things. I actually don't, I don't believe you have to hit the ball out of the park straight away. I think it's about doing those little things right and doing those little things consistently, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, I think that's one of those things. So, you know, it's for me doing 
20 calls a day, for example, or 50 calls a day. I just got to keep hammering that out and making sure that, you know, the consistency is there and making sure I'm getting it right, making sure I'm tweaking it every single time. So doing, just doing those ordinary things in an extraordinary way mm-hmm. is, is basically what it comes down to. And then obviously, you know, after building all those learnings and the experiences, then you can start maybe hitting the ball out of the park, essentially, because you've got something, some sort of base to work off. Yeah, they're really solid like principles. I mean, obviously we could harp on and we could have like come up with a hundred. Given your nature, you probably have quite a lot. Sorry? Uh, Yeah, probably have another two or three, I think, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we we can get into that as well. Um, Just while we've got the three, I am curious, where did this, where did you come up with the three? Was it something that just naturally evolved over time or have you always been inclined this way when you were young like where did it come from yeah so yes and no so basically out of those three I think I normally have like five or six things that I I think about but out of those three two of them are basically learnings from just learnings right I think you know if if you've worked for long enough uh, or been employed long enough and do your own business for quite a while, you kind of start to make mistakes and you start to realize, you know what, last week I was doing this in a weird way. Why don't I just kind of tweak that up a little bit and experiment in a different way as well? So I think a lot, a lot of it is through learning and experimentation and just kind of like being, and this is where being present is important, right? Because being present, you're able to basically pick up, you know, what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're supposed to be doing as well. Um, and then, have I guess that that for that foresight to say hey look you know what well, I'm about to stuff this up here you know or I can make a note of this and I can work on this in the future so it comes from learning and experience and experimentation and another part of it as well is I've been very fortunate enough to have a really good sort of coach as well mm. and that the structure creates freedom part that part I think especially comes from you know the coach that I have in that sense so mm. yeah got a really good coach to basically, you know, nail that stuff down with us and basically, you know, keep us accountable to that stuff as well. So I report on those numbers every, every week to, mm-hmm. uh, to the network, basically to, to our, you know, coaching network essentially. So, um, so have some accountability there to keep everyone's got accountability. Account. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, every week we do a Facebook video, post up on the on private, post up on the private group and basically we keep each other accountable. Mm. Um, and then the coach gives, you know, lessons on that every, every week, essentially. Mm. So, yeah. How important do you think accountability is when it comes to anything you do in life or taking action or creating your business, jobs? Um, yeah. And share with, share with us what your insights are on accountability. Accountability is, I think, everything. Um, it's probably one of the most important traits you need to have if you're to do anything, not just, not just in business, not just in you know, employment, it's just life altogether, right? And I think... You, you know how a lot of people say, I'm not sure if you agree with me on this. I'm not sure many people agree with me on, with me on this as well. It's like a lot of people put things down to luck, mm. right? And I think from my perspective, you create your own luck. Mm-hmm. And in order to create your own luck, you've got to be accountable. So what I mean by that is essentially you can't, you can't stuff things up and they keep playing victim to it all the time and blaming something else out of your control. You know, you've got to be accountable to that and say, hey, look, what did, what did I actually stuff up and how can I improve that and how can I learn from that and implement the lessons from that in the future? Mm-hmm. You, if you can actually do that, then better luck will come your way mm. because you created those opportunities from those mistakes that you made in the past. Yeah. You know, so accountability basically helps you with that. Accountability helps you pick up your mistakes, helps you own them and helps you basically correct them and learn from them essentially. Mm, okay. And that's where you, that's how you get to places. What about people who don't have like an accountability partner, whether it's like certain activities, trying to lose weight or, you know, have business, reach certain milestones. Um, do, they, do you necessarily need a partner or someone to keep you accountable or a coach or are there other methods or ways that you've found? Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps if you have other people there to keep you accountable. Right. And I think, but in saying that, though, you don't really need an accountability partner or accountability coach or anyone there. I think it comes down to self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the micro part of it. I think the macro part of it is you need to understand what you, what you want to achieve out of any situation. If you're trying to lose weight, 
which obviously I am trying to do now, buddy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, we touched on something good then. <laughs> yeah, but look, I mean, and you're right. No one's keeping me accountable for losing weight at the moment, and it comes down to me what I want to achieve out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a few elements of looking at this. So number one is what is your big goal? What is it that you want to achieve? And you know, visualize that. How do you want to get there? Essentially, number two. And this is the way I like to do it, is pay the game of doing that. So what I mean by that is just, so let's say I want to lose 10 kilos in the next, say, year or so, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big, hairy goal, whatever it is. And I think, but in order to get there, it is about what sort of games can I create out of this, create out of this right? For example, mm-hmm. today, I did 612 skips on the, on the skipping rope, right? Mm-hmm. The game I'm going to play is tomorrow, I'm going to, get, I'm going to do 613. And the day after, I do 614. So it is a game, basically. And I think that's why I like to treat it. And if I think I'm not giving advice or anything, but what I mean is everyone's got to find their own way of keeping themselves accountable. Um, but I do think that we, as people growing up, when we're kids, we love games as children, right? You know, or whether it be, you know, bloody Super Mario or could be, you know, something. Playing card uh, games. Okay, exactly. Yep. So, and, you know, when we're playing that, when we're doing that, we're in total social engagement. We're in safety mode because we're having fun. Hmm. So if you're doing the same thing to a big goal that you have, then you'll be engaged with that goal, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me, you don't necessarily need to coach. You don't necessarily need people to do that to. Mm-hmm. You just have that goal in mind and you just can make a game out of it, basically. Mm. And, and I'm a big believer as well in that life is a game. Like we're exactly. only put here for a short time. So, you know, what kind of game do we want to play um, as exactly. well? And, and I guess you've put it in a really eloquent way where like there's goals and then there's also you can break it up into mini games and make different activities or different ways of making games, not just like having to have a video game or anything. It's just like a self game. Yeah, 100%. Everything's a game. Like you said, life is a game. And then you break life up into what? Life, you know, life is a game. You break it up into, yeah, eating, sleeping, running, you know, jogging, working. You can you can break all that stuff into a game if you want to. A game I'm playing at the moment, I'm sure Belinda's listening. She will listen eventually, is mm-hmm. how many times can I scare her a day? <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, and that, and the, the goal there is just to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and the yeah. game I'm playing with her is how, how many times can I hide and seek from her and scare her, you know, and it, it, it just becomes fun. Like, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's keeps a way the relationship fresh as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It keeps it fresh, makes it fun. You know, once this, once this game is finished, then once this hide and seek game I play is finished, then I'll find another game to play with her. Mm. Yeah, it sound like a kid, it's... but she's my wife, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great that, you know, that you are a big kid at heart as well, as I feel yeah. like as adults or teenagers like as we get older in life we start to lose the fun we start to lose we stop playing games um life becomes about the mundane about responsibilities and then it's much harder at that rate to to start to achieve certain goals and in fact we might even feel defeated or feel that failure you know why bother because if we're going to fail or we don't know what's on the other side like you said that the certainty we don't have certainty then we're not going to try exactly and i think and you, you, exactly, you said it right, but you, the, I think the first step, but the hardest step is always just to start trying. Have you seen that um, that image of the guy who's digging for digging for diamonds or something in the mine? Have you seen that one where mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an image where it's like two guys, one on the top, one down the bottom, and they're both digging for diamonds at the end of the tunnel, right? Mm-hmm. One guy got so close to it, like that close to it, like just say two millimeters away and then walked away. Whereas the other guy kept mm. going and he hit the diamonds basically. And that's what it comes down to, right? You don't, you can't really say, you can't be a defeatist and say, I mean, look, look, I mean, everyone's got their own conditioning and everyone's got their own, I guess, way of thinking due to different traumas and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. so I'm just speaking, I guess, generically, which is basically, yeah, in order to, for you to get somewhere, you've got to start trying first without being a defeatist about it. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with, with everything. You know, if you're, I know you've done yours, but a lot of people, when they start wedding planning, right? Their friends are telling, hey, look, you know, weddings, planning so hard, it's so stressful, this and that. But you're listening to someone else's narrative, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, if you come in with a mindset that it's going to be bloody difficult, then it will be difficult mm. because you already set yourself up for that. So 
it, yeah, it just comes down to basically giving it a go, but you do it your own way and make sure that you have, try to have fun doing it basically. Mm, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. So have fun. Um, anything else? So you said big goal, then play the game. Was there anything else as well? So the, to the question of um, people who don't have accountability. Oh, to the oh, people yes. who, who We need went from accountability, accountability and then you said, what do you want to achieve? Um, that was one of your questions. Like, what do I want to, to achieve? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you mean yeah. that big picture. Yeah, the big yeah, picture. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. So continue that journey. So basically, yeah. So what you want to achieve, then start making, then start making a game out of that. Mm-hmm. And basically just... It comes down to now the, you know how I told you about the self, the the, the, the micro part of it, just the self-discipline or even the mm-hmm. self-mastery side of it as well. Mm. Um, I think, it, I, know it's, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but I think, like I said, if you can kind of have those two frameworks at the top there, I think having like, I, I know I keep saying this, but having a game that you play, I think you'll eventually fall into the, I guess the pattern of, Hey, look, I'm actually going to keep going at this now. I'm going to have a, a discipline or self-discipline to keep going at this basically mm-hmm. um, as well. So I think that's what it comes down to. Mm. And you're one of the most like self-disciplined friends that I actually know um, as well. Surprised. So that's something that like I really admire. Um, I've got a way to go though. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all a work in progress. So no one's yeah. perfect. You know, you can always get better and be more disciplined. Um but I want to ask the self-bliss of the, that's something that's uh, kind of, it's difficult, like for some people who they want to achieve a goal, but then like once you start to ingrain the habits or you have certain things that you've, activities that you've got to do to achieve a result, along the way, people just tend to be like, oh, I'm not motivated or I can't keep, keep this habit up as well. Um, what do you say to like motivation? itself does it take motivation to have self-discipline or is it the self-discipline that creates the motivation if you get what i mean yeah i know it's yeah it's one way or the other that's a really that's a really really good question hey i never yeah yeah. how do you how did you become self-discipline is it just is it natural for you to be like yeah i want to play the game so i'll just keep doing it day in and day out or like is it something that you've built over time for yourself now, it's not, look, it's something I'm still working on, by the way, as you know. Um, <clears throat> even even to the today, I, I'm not going to follow whatever to the T. I, t- I do my best as possible. But I think, yeah, it's like I said this before. I think when you try to have fun doing it, you, it will become discipline uh, as well. And I think it's, it's one of those things where, okay, so here's another thing. Here's another thing I'm thinking about right now, which I actually do, which is, and it's a whole different tangent now, but it will, it will relate back to this, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, our minds runs, like how, how, much do, how much does our mind absorb every day? How many bits of information? How many millions or billions? This keeps changing because I'm hearing different things from different resources, but now yeah. I'm up to 70,000 or something. Yeah, okay. I, I, I was hearing millions, right? You, you hear, okay. uh, sorry, a million bits a second or something. Mm-hmm. The information that your mind absorbs. And I think what it comes down to is, this is this this is this is the wicked part, right? So basically, our mind its 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 role is there to protect us from danger, or from uncertainty, or from anything else. That's the, the the reptilian part of it, basically. You know, we as mammals and we as animals, essentially. So when it comes down to you know trying to keep discipline or doing something that you're not familiar with, or doing something that you don't want to do, that's because our mind is kind of saying, "Hey, look, this is danger. I don't know what's going to happen here," and and so in order to kind of like get rid of those thoughts, this, this is the reason why I meditate or do mindfulness every morning and every evening and do the cold showers as well. It's because it's basically, you know, me trying to train my, train my mind to say, hey, you know, fuck off. You know, can I say that? You know, piss off, right? <laughs> so, you know, these thoughts come up all the time, but those thoughts are not me. Those thoughts are basically just things that are just thrown out there every single day or every single minute, every single second. So it is about just learning how to shut those things off Mm-hmm. and just focusing on the presence and focusing on the task at hand. And the reason why that comes down to the self-discipline side of things is because if discipline, if discipline to you in a certain situation means, um, was it, okay, hammer, hammer in the nail, you know, 15 times a minute, for example, you, can, you kind of get bored of that. And the reason why, reason why you get bored of that is because your mind is telling you, yeah, 
this is this is below my pay grade or yeah i shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. or yeah there should be something better to do but in order to, for you to achieve success in whatever you do you need to hammer that nail 15 times a minute you need to shut off those those you know there's thoughts in your mind comes up with and says you know what i had to do this in order i have to be present to this i have to be uh be mindful of the fact i need to nail this mm-hmm. you know nail 15 times a, a minute in order to be successful mm. so yeah i think it comes down to basically blocking out those thoughts that are there to try to distract us basically mm. and this ties into when you were saying about like trying something what happens if someone is like hammering 15 times a minute um so they're doing it and after a little while it's their mind or their thoughts is or something in their heart is like you know what this is not this is not what I want like how do you how do you really know if it's what you want or are you just fed up with it and when is it time when is it enough to be like right now we're going to change because this has come because you've you've you're someone who's changed quite a lot and (laughs) every time like you you know I'm sure someone says here's a structure um hammer it out for 15 times a minute go for it do it for I just want you to do it for as long as possible there's no there's no end so then for someone like you who has the self-discipline like you'll go and do it but then when is it like okay now that's probably enough and it, now it's time for something else that's more challenging or something something else that I prefer to do. Like, was there anything, any signals for you to be like at certain stages, it's enough to just drop it? Yeah. So, I, you know, you know I'll, I'll relate back to the data science, you know, thing that we started off with then and reason why we pivoted over to, to growth hacking, basically. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I could, yeah, I could talk to as many candidates. I can hit as many phones as I want during that time as a data science recruiter. And... You're right. I was probably hitting that nail on the 14th time and I probably just gave up. Right? And I think on surface level, it might look that way. But I think logically speaking, it was about, I guess, during my conversations with uh, with the people that matter, which are the clients, so the, the ideal clients, they're telling me their problems are actually something totally different. So if my goal is to go out there and solve those problems for my clients and make them happy, then I go that way. And that's where the, that's where the business is mm. as well. Um so it, it comes down to reasoning. It comes down to why are you giving up? Is there a logical reason why you're giving up on this as well? Mm. Or, and if there is a, yeah, if there, if there is a logical reason if, for why you're giving up, then yeah, do that. If it's the right thing for you to do. But I think most of the time it wouldn't be a logical reason if you've done your research and everything else in the first place enough for you to do a certain thing. You know, let's say, for example, you go, you, you know, you go into a, uh, you want to start a university course in, say, accounting, right? And then you mm-hmm. looked up all the statistics, all the figures, all the employment figures, the salaries, everything. It ticks off all your boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is there. And then you do the accounting course and you're like, yeah, nah, not for me. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that, you know, you spoke to 10 different people who told you all about it and they, those people are the, same, are the same as you in terms of characteristics, personality, everything. You've done all the research, you ticked all your boxes. So is that really down to you or is it down to what? You know, like mm. that, that's what I'm getting at. So so you mean like the logical, so when someone is like, so they're in the accounting course, they've done the research. So then you're saying like there has to be a logical reason for the next step, as in have the plan ahead or just a logical reason to stop? I think there has to be a logical reason for everything mm. uh, for, for that as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, there has to be a logical reason as for you to pivot to something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason why I'm saying that is because if you've done the research, if you've done the right things and you spoke to the right people and you spoke to enough people to validate your idea, then you have to just trust the process, mm-hmm. right? So if, if I'm saying to you, hey, look, Pauline, hit the nail 15 times a minute and you'll get $10 million in the next year or so, and then your research and everything that you looked at has actually proven that to be true, mm-hmm. then why don't, why don't you just trust the process and start, just start doing that? Mm-hmm. You know? So it, I think a lot of it comes down to, I guess, a lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of communication, a lot of understanding as to the, the environment that you've chosen, essentially. Mm. So, and I, I, I think you're right. Yeah, hey? sorry. What were you saying? 
And I, I think you're right because I think you're right because like I've been through so many changes myself, and I think this this thing I'm doing here is probably like one of the longer sort of things I've done so far. You're I mean, aligned. Like, yeah, like yeah, exactly. If you if you talk about recruitment, I've been doing it for seven and a half years now. Shit. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's it's been that long. That's probably the longest I've kept at something essentially besides school. But how that's because you had to. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I don't know how it feels. I just realized just now. <laughs> yeah. I never. I never really reflected on this. Hey. Yeah. But I mean, I actually don't know how it feels. It actually feels. <laughs> I think. Okay, you're putting my. You're putting my uh, my reflection on the spot and it actually feels pretty brilliant, but I wish I had achieved more so far by now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. seven and a half years, three changes or two changes in those seven and a half years, I think, yeah, I probably would expect it to have probably now, by now probably achieved a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's human nature. That's how right? I feel. Like we, we, we all want more um, yeah. because we've got to make the most of this lifetime and this experience. Exactly. So so I get that. Everything's a learning. Yeah, that's right. No failure, only feedback. Correct. <laughs> there is no failure, hundred percent. Yeah. Tell that to um, tell that to me seven years ago. I was <laughs> fearful of it. Yeah. Yep. I uh, I definitely have felt that way before. Um, you mentioned something that's brilliant about trust the process. So when you were talking contextually before about how when you're in an environment and you're doing something, if you've done the research and you know the result, why not just trust the process and do it to get that result? But what happens if, say, someone, um, you know, you started this business, when there isn't a result or you don't know, like what, what is the methodology to guarantee that there's that kind of result? That's where a lot of resistance comes up for people because they're like, oh, I, well, I don't know if a million dollars is hanging out you know, if I hammer this 15 times a minute um, for like seven days or whatever, one year, I don't know that I'm going to be guaranteed that result. And obviously we know life, there's no guarantees in life, but um, when you don't, when you're starting something new and you don't have that result, we see someone else might have it, but you, you haven't proved it for yourself. So then, then it becomes really difficult for someone to trust the process. So then what do you say to that or, you know, any, any advice on how to trust when there isn't a clear result that's been proven from someone else, for example? Okay, yeah. So basically, if you think of it from that way and if you think of it from removing every other value, if you remove every other variable, right, and like you said, you've done the research, you've done everything and other people have done it like you, other people like you have done it before as well. If you remove all that stuff, I think it comes down to you needing to work on yourself. And what I mean by that is basically you got to find different ways to keep yourself engaged and to and to find. But it's, okay, you got to find a way to basically look into yourself and say, "Hey, look, there must there must be something I need to work on in order to get myself to that stage mm. where I can actually do this." You know, mm-hmm. and I, so basically, I tell you what, this is saying this is saying that I like saying. Which is basically the grass isn't greener where you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Mm, so yeah, so the grass is greener where you water it. So where you water it is it starts with you, and you got to water yourself first. You got to look after yourself. You know, you got to find your own routine. You got to find your own thing to do, um, and you got to you got to understand your own behaviors and your own triggers to certain things as well. And once you understand that, you can start to look at saying, "Cool, what sort of activities can I do in order to get myself to that stage?" Because Clearly, it's been proven to have worked before, mm. you know. So, and I actually don't think that anyone who starts a business, anyone who starts a job, I don't think anyone at, at the moment would have started something that's so sort of pioneering that they're the first ones to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like there being is, modeled off, you know, something else or another yeah, idea that's already exactly, out there. Exactly. You know, if it's not directly modeled off, it's, it's somewhat modeled off as well. So clearly, it's been proven before. Mm, like a reference point exactly so if it's worked before for someone for a few other people or even for someone else then it, it might be able to work for you but it all just starts with you working on yourself to mm-hmm. get there and I know it's easier said than done because I know even for myself when I first started this journey like it was just, it was a similar situation where it's like oh you know it's, it's it's yeah actually this is actually 
brilliant, right? Because mm-hmm. when I started this whole growth thing, this growth niche, I thought to myself, bloody hell, us Aussies, we're so far behind people in America, Europe, and the UK when it comes down to growth hacking and tech startups, right? We're like eight years behind. Mm-hmm. And at the start, I kind of caught myself thinking, oh, is this the right thing to do? Am I still, am I too early? You know, are we first movers here, this and that? Mm-hmm. And then I kind of realized that, I kind of realized, you know what, like those are just my mind telling me just weird stuff just to try to get out of it, basically. So then it comes down to basically looking in America and saying, hey, look, there's tons of headhunters over in America, tons of headhunters in Europe who do the same thing as me. Mm-hmm. And those people were there at the start of the growth wave, uh, the, the tech wave as well. So if it works for them, it actually might work for me as well. So then after looking at these results and doing the activity and basically putting in those calls day in, day out, long hours, long days, or it may be, it's starting to look at it's coming to fruition now. Mm-hmm. It, is a long, it is a long process. And I think it comes down to also delayed gratification, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, nothing in life is guaranteed. Everything is a probability, but you're just going to play the cards that give you the best probability possible but mm-hmm. there's still no guarantees yeah so yeah and I see and I see I don't know if it's from your background but for something that I learned along the way um when it comes to uncertainty is like tr- not only is it like you're playing the game but treat everything like a science experiment you know you yes. have like a hypothesis and then you've got to I mean if you're a chemist then you've you don't know what kind of formula or you're trying to find a cure like that could be the result for something mm-hmm. but then it's more about like finding the ingredients or the types of chemicals meshing them together and you know like it takes a little while to formulate something whether it's a structure or a habit or a, a combination of things to be able to achieve a certain cure or a result um and that's the game exactly it is it's Exactly. The, the game is experimentation, right? You just, just got to figure things out. And then if you think of it that way, it just becomes fun. Mm. But I, I, do, I do understand though, it is, like I said, again, easier said than done, right? Because obviously there's time limits, there's budgetary limits, there's resource limits as well. Um, so, and I think, you know, every person out there has got, you know, the, the brain to be able to kind of figure out if something is worth doing first before they start doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. and, and I think if your mind, if your brain says, hey, look, it's actually worth doing it, just, just start doing it and then trust it. Like I said, mm-hmm. trust the process after that. But by trusting the process, you just, you have to do the activity. Activity is everything. Yep. So yeah. do the ordinary things in an extraordinary way, right? So, yeah. Mm, yeah, beautiful. I love that. Ordinary things in extraordinary ways. Then it keeps it, it makes it sound so magical. Like it's like, wow, like <laughs> that's true. I could do the small things then it well something that i heard somewhere how you do the small things is everything that shows how you do the big things or how you manage the bigger things that manifest potentially yeah and and how you do one thing is how you do everything right Mm -hmm. so that's right something for people who um you know maybe during these lockdown times or whatever they're working from home um or people are just having to slog it out at certain jobs and they're like oh I wish when I'm at work I wish I could be doing something else or mm. I wish I would have already like done my business or I'd rather be doing my side hustle or whatever to really focus on the here and now like what Peter was saying what you what how you do one thing is how you do everything else so if you are if you're someone who is aspiring to to make a leap or have a different future to focus on what you're actually currently doing and do that really well rather than not focusing on it and dreaming about something else because how you do that is how you're going to be doing your business or doing something else so that's kind of the point that I just wanted to drive because there's a lot of people who sit in their jobs and they're like no I hate this and I'd rather be doing something else and I dream about it all the time and I'm not focused on doing my job at my best but it's about you know building the relationships doing the work day in day out and taking taking the good out of your experience and then how you transfer that knowledge is is something else at a later time um but that's what i mean like not not being in such a rush to make the next move correct and i, I think and i think even making the, the next move you got to obviously assess a lot of the your own personal situation before you do that right and i think i know like, but the thing is the thing is you know we're, we're all humans we all have those shiny stars right like i mean even even myself 
doing this uh in myself in this business i do have at, at the initial stages i did have a lot of the shiny stars as well oh what if i did this what if i did that and i think he said like i said it, it's just our mind trying to distract us and trying to protect us from you know what we don't know uh mm-hmm. as well so it just comes down to hey look you know, bring that back bring that thought back down and just focusing what you need to do right now you know maybe allocate you know, a certain amount of hours, a certain amount of time in the day is for you to actually think about that stuff. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, full focus on work, full focus on your side hustle in the evening. Don't do both, right? Because you're diluting, you're ripping yourself off and you're ripping your employer off and you're ripping your future idea off mm. if you're like just diluting it by thinking about it at work. So, mm. and that's and that's where scheduling comes in, by the way. This goes back to the beginning of the call, which is scheduling stuff. If you schedule stuff in and you just dedicate those hours into it, then you're more present to it and you're not diluting the value of what you're thinking about because of, of you know, with something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think that's what it comes down to, which is, like you said, when you do one thing, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so just focus on that weird thing at work. Be as present as you can. I know it's easier said than done again, but mm-hmm. be as present as you can at work. Busy minds. Yeah, I mean that's that's our minds for us. That's that's how they're created. Um, so, and then maybe allocate an hour or two every night, mm-hmm. um, just to dedicate towards that. Yeah, and it could just be simply. I mean, it might not even be a business. Like some people don't want to do business. Some people yeah. just like want to do passions or hobbies or do 100%. other things. Um, but it's just more like having certain tasks that you do or things that you do it and and allocating the time rather than mixing it all up and getting, you know, not really present at any one thing. Correct. Exactly. So stop the dilution, basically. That's great. Here again with the, uh, I'm getting visualizations of those, what is it, the the beakers? I was was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Diluting with water and all these other things. in the Exactly. The biggest, the test tubes, whatever, right? Yeah. The good old days. (laughs) That's awesome. So what about like come to now, um, where you're at um, within your life and your business? What are you working on? Yeah. So um, to answer that backwards, um, the business is basically, uh, it is what it was before, which is basically what I said at the start of the call, which is what we're working on. But, um, but with the business, obviously looking at hiring um, and, and scaling the team at the moment as well. So, you know, it's, it's ironic for me to say this, but good talent is really hard to find, especially when it's for your own business. Um, mm. you, you tend to get a little bit more picky about things as well. But at the same time, you got to understand that, you know, you can't. This, the funny thing is, I tell the clients the same thing I should be telling myself. That's the irony of it all. Mm. Is it because you're the person who's investing the money as well? Yeah, so it's correct. Like, you know, the decision is like very critical. Exactly, exactly, and 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 it, and it also comes down to the mind again, right? The mind is telling me, "Oh yeah, don't hire this person because of this and that." But the mind is just finding excuses not to jump into the uncertainty, the uncertainty of leadership, uncertainty of someone who could leave your business in the next three months after they join. You know, the uncertainty of you know them wasting your money for example, as well, that's the mind. And I think for me at the moment, the game is to try to basically get rid of that thought mm. and just basically pull um, pull the uh, pull the trigger, basically. So this week I've allocated six hours towards hiring so far, whereas in other weeks I've been only allocating three hours. Mm. So it's it is a about... a priority right now. It is a higher priority because I really need it too now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so at the moment we're scaling growing the business, trying to find great people uh, as well. And um, still obviously in the process, helping out a lot of a lot of clients at the same time. So it's been pretty fun so far. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's the that's great because it's all about, you know, having fun. If you're not having fun in, in business or whatever you do, then, you know. What's the point? The point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and I think, yeah, everyone's got a different definition of success. I think for me, one definition of that is someone who's having fun in what they're doing that's, that's for me a biggest factor i think in, in, in success so mm-hmm. yeah yeah um speaking of something because in this conversation we spoke a lot about the mind and and obviously playing games and having fun um what's been i guess any resources or something along the way that has really helped you cement you know um education about the mind or the, the whole theory about 
playing the game. Um, is there any sort of resource or someone that you learnt that off? Um, so a lot of it, so a lot of it came down to, um, you know, how I told you about the coach and the network that I have as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is kind of just filters through from there as well. But then if you, if you, a lot of that comes down to Google too, right? And I think there's one particular sort of, there's one particular um, researcher and sort of theory I like reading about all the time or just researching or YouTubing, right? Yeah. Have you heard of the polyvagal theory? No. Re- re- look at this. Look this up. Polyvagal theory by Dr. Stephen Porges. Um, obviously, this came through this came through um, the group of network that we had as well. But obviously, I do a, I do a bit of research into it now myself. Um, the polyvagal theory is all about how... How do you how... spell that? Sorry. For... Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Polyvagal. Uh, yeah, poly is P L, sorry, P O L Y. Yep. V for Victor. Yep. A G A L. Cool. Yep. Theory. Theory. Yep. Yep. So polyvagal theory. So you know how I talk about a lot about the game, and I talk a lot about having fun, and I talk a lot about social engagement. It comes from this, like this kind of solidifies that. And so what I mean by that is the polyvagal theory is um, I'm going to bastardize the definition of it, but in essence us as human beings, yeah, our nervous system, right? We have three states in our nervous system. Number one is the social engagement or the safety part of our nervous system. That's when, that's the part where we're most relaxed. That's the part where we're actually learning a lot. And that's the part where we're having a lot of fun. And, you know, think about yourself when you're a kid, you're running around, you know, the backyard playing soccer or something. Mm. You had a lot of fun doing that, right? Or you're playing cards or you're playing the Xbox or something that's when you're in social engagement. That's when you're like the most open. That's when you're most present. That's when you're having the most fun. And that's when you can actually learn the most as well. And that's actually the point where you actually have the biggest impact on your clients too. And this is actually pretty good for you as well. Like, yeah. So that's the safety part of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what is it specifically is that that's the ventral dorsal system, nervous system. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so that's one part. The other two parts are like the parts which you, that are not as good, which is basically the the second part is the mobilization part or the fight or flight part as well. And what I mean by that is basically human beings, we actually live in that state for 90, about 90 to 95% of the day. Mm. 90 to 95% of the day is in fight or flight because what happens is us growing up as, growing up as, uh, as animals, basically, our nervous system is constantly scanning the environment for things that are dangerous or things that we perceive as dangerous as well. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that basically it, it taints our, our thinking and our presence. Mm. You know, if, if, the, if you think stress, right, stress is a, is a good example of the fight or flight response. Because when they follow with the fight or flight response, it comes down to, you know, the blood and everything rushing to your limbs, to your arms, to your legs in order to get you prepared to fight or flight, basically. Mm-hmm. But then there's nothing left in your brain. And that's when you make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, if a client is yelling at you, if a client's, you know, doing something to you and you don't resonate with that, or if you're in fear yourself, you're in scarcity yourself, you're in a fight or flight mode, and then you can't think, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So it's, ob- it's that- obviously quite... Um- to do with our human nature like our makeup as well in terms of what chemicals are being secreted during these fight or flight responses exactly that, like the adrenaline exactly the ability of them of the mind to function yeah exactly exactly the risk of adrenaline and whatnot right so um and then there's a third state that the nervous system is in which is a lot of people call it trauma but it's called like yeah it's also called immobilization that's when you freeze and or faint oh, right. and you don't act and you know you know a lot of people want to say paralysis by analysis mm. Yep. A bit like that. And that a lot of t- a lot of times typically comes down to some sort of trauma in the past. Like for example, I experienced this myself, right? So, you know, I'm about to make a cold call or another call to a client who told me to F off mm. three months ago, right? Obviously there's a bit of trauma there. And before I call them, I kind of just sit there for a minute thinking, shit, 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 shit. Mm. That's the immobilization. That is me not being able to act, not be able to move, not to be able to do anything. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so those are three key states that the nervous system is in. Right. And the goal is to always get up to the safety or the, or the social engagement state because that's when you can learn the most and that's when you can make the most impact in terms of what you do. Um, and that's the reason why I keep talking about the game. Mm. You know, And because right. when you're playing the game, when you're having fun, that's when you learn the most. And that's when you're most present. Yeah, awesome. I love that. Mm. Social engagement. It's a good... Yeah. Yeah. It's a... 
it's a really brilliant way of putting it, having fun and being connected to the purpose or whatever it is that you're doing, the activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty handy. I, I love watching on reading that stuff. So uh, that particular theory, just kind of refining a little bit more. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of therapists and stuff like that use that as well to help their patients. So it's pretty handy. Yeah. Mm, yep. I'm definitely going to look into that. Cool. And um, what's, what's next? I mean, obviously you're, you're hiring at the moment. Um, what's the bigger vision? What's, what's next for you? The bigger vision is to basically, number one, dominate the Australian market with this, you know, um, that would be a brilliant idea. And the second part of it is basically get to a point where we can expand into Asia. Mm -hmm. Um, At the start of this journey, I did a lot of work in Singapore and I did a bit of work in Australia as well, but I kind of realized I need to just nail the one market first before I do anything else and just get the playbooks done, get all the processes and structures done in Australia, get to know the market here better before I move on. So I want to be in a situation where we can eventually start to go into Asia as well. Mm. That's the big picture vision. And then, I don't know, sell it off. <laughs> yeah. And just live the, yeah. live the life. Oh, maybe build something else as well and live the life at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, you've definitely got that nature of, like having you know playing the game so it's just like finding new games to play otherwise life gets 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. exactly um yeah so that's what it comes down to so i think what's next is basically just just scaling this thing and seeing how it goes and where it goes and basically be in a situation where we can help as many companies as possible help as many people as possible and yeah mm, i think it just yeah. comes down to adding value and helping people yeah that's awesome cool okay and um i want to ask you now just um as we're sort of ending up here, because obviously this podcast is about the journey to fulfillment, which you've, you know, brilliantly shared so much of your knowledge and your experience with us. Um, I want to ask you what at this current moment or phase of your life, what does fulfillment mean to you? Good question. Hey, I think for, look, fulfillment, number one, from my perspective, right, is it's, it's an ongoing thing. It is always an ongoing thing. It, it is, and in the the way my mind operates is that it's a tick box exercise as well. But I think at the end of the day, fulfillment comes down to a situation where you have those goals that you ultimately want to achieve, and then you work towards achieving them. And once you've achieved them, you find something else that you want to achieve as well, and that makes you fulfilled as well. You know, so I think for me, it's just an ongoing process of ticking those boxes off, you know, whatever this box, you sit, you see out of the boxes that make you happy, that you feel like will make you happy mm. and just go and tick them off. Yeah. And I think it, you, you eventually become to a situation where you'll probably never, ever tick it off because you're always finding that, that level of fulfillment to, to help you along. Mm. Um, so I think if you look at it that way, fulfillment to me is basically the game of ticking shit off, basically. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that for me, that's what it is for me. Yeah, you know, for me, it's about tick. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me, it's about tick boxes. Yeah, I can really see that potentially even for me if I put myself in that situation, I'd always want to add on more tick boxes to keep. Otherwise, if it ends, what what else? (laughs) Exactly. So, like, exactly, exactly. So, look, everyone's got different definition of it. I guess, I I guess, for me, you we 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 can see it similar to that, which is basically it is an ongoing. Like, for me, it's an ongoing fulfillment. Is the ongoing process of trying to. I guess tick those boxes. Mm, wonderful. Because it because it goes back to again the game, the game of ticking boxes. Mm. So cool. Yeah. I'm gonna keep that in my in my box and come up with a few more boxes to tick. <laughs> I know we told you, we, I, know, I, know, I need to really expand my vocab pay, like honestly. <laughs> no, like we're all, I'm all about simplification. And the more simple it is for people to understand, then the better it is for them. So that's a really good visual of like, yeah, a simple way of th- to think about it. And last, and lastly, I want to ask you then, if it was um, hypothetically, if it was your last day on earth, all right, you've, um, you know, built up this business, you've sold it for millions, um, you've, got a, you've got a few more games ahead, but it is your last day on earth. What message would you want to leave the audience or give to the world? The grass is greener where you water it. Yeah, cool. That's it. I said it before in the podcast. I truly, I truly believe that. Yeah. So yeah. Brilliant. 
Thank you so much, Peter Dung, for being on the podcast, given us so much insights. And um, I can't wait to, to see where you go with, you know, your next journey and your business. Um, so yeah, maybe in a few more years, you never know, m- might have you back as a guest and see where you are. Yeah. And hopefully um, I hit those visions or those goals that I just mentioned just then. <laughs> it's up to me now, isn't it? Yep. I'm sure you'll tick a few more boxes by that time. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks all for tuning in. And until next episode, this is Journey to Fulfillment. I'm Pauline Wong. And thank you and good night. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is out. Also rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends because just one insight could change someone's life for better. Now go out there and make an impact and I will catch you in the next episode.